Hey, this is Haley Videkis, and you're listening to Level Playing Field. Hey everybody, welcome back to Level Playing Field. Level Playing Field is my podcast. My name is Randy Boos. This is my podcast where I interview people who are LGBT and involved in sports. This week's guest is Haley Videkis. Haley is a former Arizona State University and Pepperdine University basketball player. While at Pepperdine, she fell in love and she has a partner that she met at Pepperdine. Because of the faith-based education, there was a whole court case we talk a little bit about that. Most of this conversation, though, is about women's sports in general. Haley attended the ESPNW Sports Summit, which was held October 21st through the 23rd. People like Robin Roberts and Julie Foudy were people who spoke at this summit. So we talk a little bit about that. If you want to hear Haley's complete story, and I really recommend you do, Dan Trainer, who also has a podcast on this network called Same Team, did an excellent episode with Haley back in June during Pride Month. Goes over her coming out, her growing up, talks about the court case. Um, it was brutal what she had to put up with. I highly recommend it. A link will be in the show notes uh, for that episode. In my show notes, you'll also have links to her social media where you can follow her on Instagram and on Twitter. Anyways, I hope you enjoy this episode. Haley was a fun person to talk with. She has uh, an experience that a lot of people don't have, having to sue the edu- the educational system that you are attending. Through that lawsuit, they actually made some changes. So it's cool to hear. Anyways, without further ado, here is my talk with Haley by Decker. Welcome, Haley, to my podcast. Thank you for having me. And actually, I, I in the rundown, I should have said I wanted to start with, to me, one of the most important things is you have two dogs. <laughs> I do. Simba and Yaya. So they're, they're Shebas. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm a dog person, so it's sort of weird to start the podcast this way. But No, I love it. Where'd you get them? So I, we wanted to rescue them, but we... There was someone who does Shiba Inu breeding, so oh, okay, really cool. cool person, yeah. And so we got Simba when he was six weeks, and then Yaya, she was two years old almost, and no one wanted her. Oh, so, wow. So I know, we got her. So we kind of rescued her in a way. So a puppy and like an adolescent dog, mm-hmm. probably two different personalities. They're so different. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I, don't, I can talk dogs all the time, but I just... Yeah, that's they're, the they're whole so other podcast. Cute. Yeah, they're oh so gosh. cute. Oh my goodness. And like we talked about before, you were on Dan Trainer's podcast, Same Team, back in June mm-hmm. during Pride Month. So we're not going to cover the like teen years for you. If you want to hear that, go check that podcast out. We're going to cover some of the same stuff, but we're also going to talk about women's sports in general. So, so let's go from the time you got accepted into Arizona State. What was that moment like for you? Was Arizona State like your dream school or? It 
was a dream school. I had these visions of going and playing for AFCU. So when it came up, I, I was amazed and went out to Tempe and it was a really awesome experience. I kind of talk about the weight gain that I had. That was the only thing that kind of made it a little unenjoyable just because I was spraining my ankles. It was really hard on my body playing in the post position, but um, it was the most incredible competition I've ever had. I almost wanted to get you muscle milk and just set it down for you. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I would have, I would have ran the other way. Yeah. So at Arizona State, they they're switching your position, they're changing your body to yeah. play the game that you grew up playing. Totally different. As a player, how does that mess with your mind? I mean, you just have to get really tough. Honestly, it's it's hard because you are on a team and you want to sacrifice for your team, even if that's your body or your position or your playing time, which is hard for a lot of athletes. And for me, it just happened to be my position. So I had to get really tough and um, just get stronger so I could stay on the court longer and work my way in. I had to prove myself because we had some really amazing seniors on the team who were in that position. But overall, it was a great learning experience. How did the injuries and the way they were coaching you affect your decision to leave Arizona State? Mm, I just saw that my body was getting worse. And as soon as the season was coming to an end, I knew we were going to start training right away. And I needed some time with my ankle especially to heal. And I don't think there was going to be that time for me. And it was just going to be more of the same. And so... I had to make that decision to definitely put my body in mind and my overall well-being. I think it was a good time for a change for me and I'm glad I did it. And it just happened to be to a much different school because you have ASU, which is, people know it as a party school. I was in the honors programs, so it was a little <laughs> tougher, <laughs> but um, then going to a Christian school, it was... Well, yeah, and I, th I would think that... It when you're in a Pac-12 school like Arizona State, you have, you can really have a dream of maybe playing the WNBA. Mm -hmm. When you give up that school and transfer to the religious school, the small, out of, or WCC, right? Yeah. Is it at that point where you go, maybe this won't be a career, but this is definitely going to be a way to get me an education? Or mm -hmm. are you still dreaming of... I'm still playing. dreaming of WNBA because the way I'm seeing it is to come from the Pac-12 and come into a smaller conference is actually an advantage because it is so hard to stand out in the Pac-12. Everyone yeah. is incredible, very talented players. And so even though you're in that really talented pool, not many people get drafted. So if you can stand out in a smaller league maybe and be putting up 20, 30 I'd say 30 plus points a game, you're definitely gonna get noticed. So I was kind of anticipating, even though it would be a better education, having the smaller class sizes, I thought that it would be better for basketball too. You know, it, it's funny because you had the four years of your life and usually college, and I didn't go to college, so I'm just making this up, but <laughs> usually college is like growth and new experiences and stuff and mm -hmm. and you had that but that four years of your life in college at Arizona State and Pepperdine one so different but then yeah. you experience so much 
with your sexuality, with the sport, just the way that the school really came after you. And it's, yeah. it's an interesting story. So st- let's start with sexuality since it's an LGBT sports podcast. Up until 1920, you, I would imagine you just saw your life as straight. Oh, is 19, that... 20 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking 1920. Oh, no. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I, I did. I guess I never had the chance to explore it, you know, because it just was never talked about. If anything, it was silenced, you know, in my household. So it wasn't even a thought, but I was never opposed to it. So I guess meeting Leana was really the first time that I considered it dating a woman. And so when you're, I guess the first year at Pepperdine, because, and like I said, I know, I know the story a little bit from same team. So I'm trying not to jump ahead too much because I'm taking stuff for granted that everyone knows, but you, a red shirt that first year at Pepperdine, because that's how NCAA rules work. Mm-hmm. How do you go about... I don't know. Let me start over. No, you're good. How... It's just a... It's a, it's a struggle, obviously, sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so you... You meet this person who... And she transferred in from Arizona. Mm-hmm. Right. She's like six months after me. So both being redshirt, you guys aren't playing. You got you don't get to interact with the team. I mean, you interact with the team, but you're also on your own. Yeah, because we can't travel with the team. We're pretty much sitting by ourselves doing our own workouts. There was another transfer, so it was the three of us. And we just spent a ton of time together. And then on top of it, a lot of the girls on the team did not put in as many extra hours as I was used to. So it was nice to be able to go to the gym with someone who wanted to work out and shoot and um, that's pretty much all of the time we really spent was on the basketball court for the beginning. So those, the early years at Pepperdine, it, it was almost like you were, you were being pushed into this in a way. Right. And they think that like they have said that we separated and did our own thing, but no, we, the way that it worked out is we had to spend a lot of time together and any coach would want that their red shirts who have to come in off the bench um, the next year or not off the bench, but take that sit on the bench together for an entire year. You would want them to be close and form a bond. So you can have two Pac-12 transfers coming on your team and doing amazing. So that time together was really important for basketball. Also getting to know each other. We had similar experiences in the Pac-12, which was it was nice to be able to relate to someone. Um, and, you know, it wasn't romantic off the bat. It was really, you know, we were just friends and teammates, and that's what we cared about was basketball, and we cared about our team. So it really, it's interesting how it all panned out because I think it was more of the biases on Pepperdine's side than anything because we were just doing what we knew as athletes, which is to work out and focus on basketball and want to get on the court. Yeah, it's funny too because, you know, obviously you grew up in a religious home, so going to a a faith-based school wasn't shocking or it wasn't like you didn't go, you know, you were accepting of it. And religious people have a term, I grew up religious as well, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Yeah, that's true. And it's so funny that 
you're being driven to this way where it's like it's meant to be, you know? Yeah. Now, you had to deal with a lot of crap to get to the point <laughs> where you're at now. The first, When's the first time you notice something's going on? Because, actually, that's jumping ahead. As you develop a friendship mm-hmm. with Liana, you develop this friendship. As you start to get closer, you have to be internally knowing that you're developing these, these feelings before you're able to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, are you able to process it on your own at that time? Or is it more just you every you're just getting yeah it was super hard I mean that's why it's important to have a solid group of friends and a support system because there probably was a time where I was questioning myself and if this was okay and not that I was opposed to it it just wasn't familiar to Mm -hmm. it and that feeling and also the fact that she was a teammate I think anyone on the team would be hesitant to and it wasn't something that was ideal because dating your teammate can it can be great um there are girls married in the WNBA and they're doing incredible so it's possible um but I think it was scary for me because when I originally came to Pepperdine I saw maybe falling in love with a guy would happen it you know one day and then meeting Leona changed all of that and it it was scary to tell her how I felt I think I lent on her a little more to convey her feelings first and slowly she did but yeah that was a scary time I remember I bet and then as you guys start to you open up about your your feelings and stuff you're still having to go out into the court probably daily how does that interaction with the teammate you know you say it happens in WNBA it happens in soccer and all all sports um, it honestly probably happens in men's sports but it's just so hidden mm-hmm. How do, how do you handle that as teammates? I mean, for so every time we step on the court, even if you're, um, you're best friends with one of your teammates, it's always business. It might be hard if you have a best friend on the team who you can't stop laughing around and you're always cracking jokes, yeah. but when you get on the court, it's business. So when I get on the court with her, no matter what our relationship is off the court, it's always business. So that never was an issue, if anything, there was just a greater chemistry like I would have with some of my close friends on the team because you're looking for each other on the court. It's exciting to play with someone you have chemistry with. So I only saw positives coming from it. Yeah. Rumors happened at Pepperdine, not only with you guys, but with other players, right? I mean, I think in the podcast with Dan, you you mentioned that, you know, a good number of the, the girls on the team were lesbian or still are obviously, but mm-hmm. when sock starts to happen, you mentioned, can you tell a story about the coach mm-hmm. who came in your head coach? And is that the first sense that something's wrong or did you start to see changes? I mean, that was the first sense that something was wrong because what had happened before that were just little questions that would come from certain people on the staff, like the academic coordinator. And the questions got more concerning later, but in the beginning, it was just curious. And we'd laugh about it and be like, that's weird, and not think anything of it. But when the coach talked about lesbianism, not being tolerated, and having a speech on it with a select group of girls for a leadership council meeting, that was really weird. And 
I remember being freaked out and thinking that, you know, he could be talking about me and worried for what all of that meant. But that was the first time. And it's funny because you brought up God and just the whole meant to be. I remember that day I was praying. I was like, God, like, why would you bring me to this Christian school to fall in love with a girl? Because this is not good. This is I'm getting freaked out because we're not supposed to be doing this here. And I thought maybe I, I, maybe I'm doing something wrong. And that same day, like an hour later, I went down um, in the coach's office and he had this meeting and I don't know. I just, I received that as this is why it's happening. And I'm not, I'm much more bold now than back then. And so when I heard it, I think I was still really fearful and I didn't have, you know, the strength or the courage to say something in the moment because I actually thought, yeah, it is wrong. It's, but, um, now I do understand that to be why I, I did go to Pepperdine and what I was supposed to do there because I feel like we did leave it a better place and it's healthier for all students to go at least a little bit yeah you definitely changed some things i mean and we'll get to the point where the uh what it was the article that came out naming all the schools that oh yeah the shameless with the department of education in 2015 they released that and they essentially just wanted to protect students who were going to these schools some religious some not that had title nine exemptions and they had never been um told to publish it and Pepperdine apparently had a title IX exemption and now they withdrew it after the case and it was published so that's good a little bit what was surprising so much for me with your story at Pepperdine is how brutal they were I mean and it wasn't just like they didn't just use the faith policy that they have they really used the financial aspects of it. And can you talk a little bit about that? Just how, how the many ways that they would go after you and, and the rest of the team who they questioned? Yeah, I think so. I try to compartmentalize it because when we were at the school, there was one narrative. And then when we went to trial and they had to answer to a judge and a jury, it was another one. So I try to remember <laughs> what they did before they said it wasn't... Because ultimately they accused you guys of cheating. Yeah, they did a lot of... They pretty much blamed us when we brought everything up. So I think in the beginning, I don't know. It, it was clear that it was a religious school. Um, but from our coach specifically, he just relied on his experiences in the WNBA and brought up some things that he later said wasn't true. But I mean, that's how in depth this was I mean just convincing us that we can't um, be dating or that lesbianism isn't allowed it was like we didn't really know what to believe or why we were believing it we just knew that that was the rule and the girls were really afraid I mean I did talk about some of my teammates Um, they were dating and they denied that they were dating certain people and I don't know if they ever did admit it or that they stayed with these people long term from what I know they haven't and so I don't I don't know I think 
the religious aspect definitely hurts with guilt. It's hard to go through that. But um, having a scholarship held over your head, if there's a rule and you're not allowed to be who you are and be authentic, I mean, some some girls just can't afford. I, I get it, though, because paying for school is really expensive. And if you're on scholarship, sometimes that's the sacrifice that people choose to make. But I just wasn't down with that, so... Obviously, I'm not asking to name names, but being an athlete, you probably knew the men's athletes, whether it's basketball, you know, whatever sports mm-hmm. Pepperdine has. You've had to heard rumors of the guys sleeping with girls and stuff. I mean, yeah, it wasn't like a purity thing. So I will never understand why they chose to go after one that went against the faith and would just let the others go by and and honestly with men it's really just assumed that that's going to happen because that's boys being boys Mm -hmm. I think we see that so much though even outside of religious institutions where coaches of women's teams feel like they have this power to pry into their private lives and control and ask about who they're dating and their sex lives and you never see that with men we just kind of assume men are messing around with Mm -hmm. other girls and we don't question it and it's a double standard so then when you get into the sexuality and things that are very invasive that aren't talked about and can be used to scrutinize and even further subordinate players on a team then it gets really serious because girls are actually living in fear and trying to play this competitive grueling sport and they're worried about their coach thinking about who they're dating or seeing after practice and it's just it is way too much power that coaches have and how they utilize it's really important what do you think your darkest moment at that school was where you just reached bottom Mm. well I think the darkest moment was recognizing that I was not going to play for the school and that was really really hard because it was kind of a flash that went through my mind like this is it you know like if we're gonna have to file something and they're gonna run an investigation and we're gonna be told to stay at our apartment while it goes on and the coach is gonna be there it's just gonna get it's gonna get worse so I I hoped I could still have a career somehow through this litigation which I had no idea um, what it was going to be like but yeah that was a really hard moment was realizing that fighting this and standing up for ourselves meant giving up basketball and you were fighting this while still attending right or was it it after a question mark because we were told to just stay at home and not go to class or be around the team while they ran the investigation and so we um, were just sitting in our apartment waiting for it to... And this this happened, it started, I think, in October. So it was end of September, October, and not until November they concluded things. And so those were really dark times because we did not know what was going to happen. And our families weren't involved because we were hoping they would resolve everything and we could come back on the team and it would be a safe environment. But the way they just 
denied and covered up everything there was there was no way so we kind of had to then tell our parents and it went public in the lawsuit and that was when things really started to shift at least when it went public we could get support but those couple months where we didn't know what was going to happen if we were going to be silenced about this those were scary because you feel really powerless and you know you don't know your your life is in someone else's hands and you were like you mentioned you were doing this without a support system of your family yeah that was really hard <laughs> when you finally tell your your family not just about your sexuality but that obviously is an aspect of the story how did they respond in a way that you would hope or mm, i would say that my mom and my younger sisters did they were supportive and loving um, but my dad was not. He was really shocked and he was really embarrassed. And especially when it went public the first day, TMZ picked it up and people in my hometown were sharing it. And he was messaging them to take their posts down on Facebook oh, and no. just so humiliated. And that was hard because I never thought that losing that relationship with my dad was going to be as difficult as it was. And has it gotten... It's gotten better, obviously. Well, or... he passed away during the litigation, so... Oh, shit. Okay, that yeah. was a bad question. It's okay. I mean, um, it's, that's that's why this is important, because we don't know how much time we have with people who we can't see eye to eye with for something as stupid as this. You know, it's like, these are your kids, these are your parents, love them, and like tomorrow is never guaranteed and that's what happened with my dad it was so sudden i mean i had a 15 year old sister who was at home with him when it happened oh, and it's man. like what the hell like why have we not been bonding and loving each other and connecting for a year almost two years at that point because of this like it was not worth it and i wish that I knew what I did know now because I think I would have been just so much more compassionate and kind and understanding of how long it was going to take because at least I would know like I would have tried every single day where I was kind of taking the position that my dad just didn't love me anymore and I was angry and I was upset and hurt as any anybody would but it's just, it's something that people have to recognize that is a consequence of this. It's not just losing basketball or any sport someone's playing. It's like these relationships impact us forever, you know? Yeah, and, and I'm sure this might be dumb to say since I don't know the answer, but I'd imagine that with your mom and everything, there was, a, be able, there was able to be a reassurance that he always loved you. You know? Yeah. No, that's so true. That. I mean, so yeah, you had a difficult time the last year or so, but you knew that he was loving you. I did. I, I still get confirmation to this day. Like I'm very much connected, and I, I've like transformed spiritually. I'm in a really good place, and I've healed a lot of these wounds and forgiven, and like gone on my own path, which has been really healing and powerful. But yeah, like when I went back home and I cleared out his desk and his room and just going through his stuff, it's like 
I was finding notes that he still kept of me that I wrote him, you know, when I was eight, the little handwriting and just so many things he kept of me to the day he died. And I'm like, he still cared. He just had a difficult way of showing it. Yeah. What was it like being covered by TMZ? That had to be the most <laughs> bizarre. So, uh, yeah, it was so bizarre. Because first they put the wrong picture of Leona, of another girl on the team. Oh, jeez. Oh, like, no, it was just, it was so messy. And it just, it wasn't, it was difficult to see that, you know, with the headlines they would run. And it just felt, it just felt so disconnected from our actual experience. So, I mean, I, I'd imagine looking back, it had to be like, how did my life take this WTF? turn? WTF. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's take a shot to this tonight you know it's like yeah that's how it was because it was so crazy it was the day of that it hit the docket and our attorney was telling us oh yeah you might have a week or so before you're gonna have to speak on it like no it was the same day (laughs) so yeah it moved very quickly trial's done Uh, did you get the result that you were hoping so the verdict of our jury was not favorable they found no evidence and it was in federal court so at least this is how an attorney would explain it federal court is more of a conservative jury and in the book that i'm writing i discuss the jury selection process and what jurors were saying in open court about hating gay people and not thinking they deserve equal rights and by the way it is very hard to exclude people like that if they can say that they will try to be impartial So it's like, we did not have a jury of our peers. I'll say that for sure. But I think overall, like taking a step back outside of myself, my God, like, yeah, we got the result we wanted. And that's, that's really all that matters. It took a little while to see the big picture because of our own egos and being so invested in this process. But yeah, I think it was definitely well worth it. Once you get past that... Where do you, where do you head? What, what's your next step? You know, you had this, this college career, this college time that didn't go the way you thought it would be, but it probably helped guide you to what was going to be next. What was your next step after, after that was done? Hmm. There's been so many little steps in all of these directions, but ideally, you know, I've had been struggling between going to law school, especially as we were going through the trial and getting prepared to really apply, and then deciding what is it that I want to do? Who am I outside of all of this? Because it really forces you to take a look at yourself and see why are you making the decisions that you are? Do you really want to do this? And it was hard for me being in that courtroom. I remember a moment, I think it was when we got the verdict, and I was just sitting there like, Damn, you know, because no one will ever know what we actually went through. That it was 2014 till 2017. I mean, that was a really long couple years, and the sacrifices we made, the pressure it put on our relationship, just all of these different aspects. No one will ever see that by looking at a court docket or hearing about the case, but it's that social impact and the media and being able to activate certain things that can promote change Mm -hmm. outside of the courtroom that's where i want to be because that's what matters that's you know in the courtroom everything is filtered too it's like 
I never sat in front of the jury and told them how I wanted to tell them my story because I couldn't. It was very much controlled because mm-hmm. you're in this federal courtroom. But to be honest, I think the greatest change goes hand in hand with the work that a lot of amazing lawyers are doing for our community and our legal system. But you need that media side too and people who are willing to speak up and tell their stories and create platforms for change and inspire other people. So as I was sitting there, I was like, I don't really know if law school's for me and I never turned down to it, but right now I'm just gonna keep going on the path I am and just see where it ends because it's hopeful. And so right now you're writing your memoir. Yes, I am writing my memoir and working on a bunch of projects. I hope I can talk about it really soon, but it's it's going to be awesome. And it happened so quickly too. all of these things coming into place when I just made that decision, like I'm going to really try to be authentic, not just with my sexuality and, you know, saying who I am, but really all aspects of my life. And it's come together fast. Uh, Leon and I were in a master's program at USC and it's really cool. USC continues to be the best school and hooking it up and (laughs) we're on a scholarship for the master's program and Lei is applying to law school and she's kicking ass. She's doing amazing and coaching youth girls and starting some awesome programs. So yeah, we're just going in the directions that we feel are best and seeing what happens. So is she staying more involved in the game then? I take it. Yeah, she definitely loves to be involved with basketball. And I think that that may change when she goes to law school and it's going to be a full-time well, yeah. thing. But yeah, she's incredible. Like the girls love her and look up to her so much and she really has developed a lot of their skills. Sometimes I'd go, but she's amazing. And not to talk about her since we're here with you, but just you touched on um, her involvement in getting UCSC or USC players to come practice when you guys were at Pepperdine. And it was probably a combination of both of you guys doing this and really Mm -hmm. making things better for others. Yeah, I mean, she had all the connections because she lived in LA and she had a really strong network of basketball players that she knew. So yeah, she, I think I helped with like team bonding things, you know, (laughs) just like getting everyone together and doing fun things, like helping people laugh a little, like not take it so seriously, but just making sure we're all sharing our goals and our vision and it stays basketball focused. Um, that's what I did, but yeah, it really helped because the girls still go to Pepperdine from last time I heard about it. So um, just it's better when you can get girls outside of your conference because Mm -hmm. you don't know how they play. And especially a Pac-12 conference, you're going to be getting some really good competition. So Yeah, there's some great schools in the Pac-12. Let's talk about women's sports in general. Obviously, as a former player yourself, you have a vested interest interest in in seeing women's sports grow. Last week, and this podcast will be in a couple weeks. Okay. But in um, October, you attended the ESPNW Sports Summit. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Having I think this was the tenth year they did it. Yep, their tenth annual. So tell me a little bit about that. 
Well, first of all, it was incredible. It was beautiful. They had it at Newport Beach at Pelican Hill. And the event these women put together was so amazing. Um, just that sense of community and bonding and knowing every woman who was there was working for the same goal. Um, I met so many different people, some women who are running their own organizations for youth girls and trying to motivate girls to be more confident in their sport so they can succeed and stay in the game. Um, I met um, a woman from the Office of Civil Rights. I mean, we have people from government, from top brands. Um, it was a really incredible experience. And uh, Laura Gentile also, who is at ESPN and she founded the ESPNW Summit um, 10 years ago, she started it off by speaking and, you know, really encouraging women to continue doing this work and thinking outside of the box. I like how she talked about, you know, not taking things so seriously and having fun with it because this is a difficult space to work in, but our creativity is part of our power too and our passion to create change is all going to be different, but coming together with like-minded women, it was really awesome. So what was it like? I mean, was it keynotes? Yes. So they had the summit opening in welcome with Laura and Sage Steele. And there were a couple of different panels that went on throughout the summit. So Julie Foudy was there and that was really cool because when I was, I think in the fourth grade, I did a project on my hero and I chose Julie. Serious? Yeah. Like I think my mom still has the project, but it was so amazing. And she is high energy. Amazing. Um, she's with ESPN now too. And she was really great. She did a lot of, she spoke on panels, but also um, moderated a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Robin Roberts came on Tuesday night and Robin is, her story is very inspirational. It's amazing. Yeah. And for her to be doing it for so long. I mean, I remember her on ESPN years and years ago. Right. So. She, she opened up um, when she, about interviewing Obama, President Obama, and it was... It was just a really cool experience to see her in person, how strong she is and how she has just continued to push the limits and, you know, lead the way. And I, even in the women's basketball world, she's someone that I've always heard, even when I played, is just an inspiration. And I know she's close with a lot of um, basketball players. So it, it was cool. She also played basketball too. And from what Dawn said, um, she still holds the record of, at the school. Oh, really? Of Yeah, Robin still remains the school's all-time leading scorer at Southeastern Louisiana. That's, That's pretty really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So just her visibility and the media and just being who she is, it's, it's amazing. And I'm not asking you to remember numbers because I know myself I'm horrible with numbers. But part of that conversation at the, the summit had to be about women's sports coverage in general. Oh, yeah. That was main topic of conversation. Um, I did an interview with Kate Scott. I don't know if you know who she is. Um, she does a lot of Pac-12 stuff, but I know her from yeah. the Bay Area sports coverage. Um, and I forget the stat, like I said, about the numbers. But she talked about how little coverage on sports TV, on any TV for women's sports, it's something like... 10% or something 
of sports is women's sports. Yeah, it the percentages are really low. I mean, I know from being at the panel um, ESPN that I think it's two-thirds of all live women's sports consumption is through ESPN networks. And, you know, I know just with following the WNBA and this past season trying to tune into some games, it is difficult to catch them live or mm-hmm. just there's so many different um deals that they have with companies and broadcasting rights that it's just you have to be paying attention and make sure you catch them because we tried to watch um a game live for la we had like a viewing party ready to go and then all of a sudden as soon as the game started it went out and according to the rights that they have um they can't broadcast it live until after the game is over for this one particular game but we would never see that happening ESPN in the NBA. Had that? This was with um, League Pass. So League Pass is now one of the okay. main ways you can watch. But ESPN held, I think, a decent handful of games for the WNBA. Yeah, and I know they covered the finals and stuff yeah. too. Yeah, that's bizarre about women's sports because it's just so weird how the stat I, I heard talked about women's sports being so little coverage and then you look at it where like WNBA soccer probably most of the sports coverage is probably women's tennis gets a lot of it mm-hmm. too but you it's still hard to find you know what i mean it is and it's hard to find in the top spots you know you don't get primetime WNBA no i know and people don't want to believe this either because i look for those stats and there's not a ton of them out there but really go on your tv and scroll through what's live and what's playing and it's really hard to find live women's sports it's there just needs to be more of an investment in it even just seeing these women on campaigns and commercials and getting their faces out there so people get excited and engaged with who they're seeing because with men's sports i mean it's easy to watch it's on tv it's live um we're pouring tons of marketing dollars into it Mm -hmm. but with women like there needs to be an extra stride made somewhere if we really want to get fans engaged because that whole women's sports aren't exciting go to a WNBA game i challenge anyone who thinks that it's not fun that was the most live fun experience i've had going to the WNBA oh, game really? this season. Yeah. So here's my problem with the WNBA. My problem is, and it's not with the league itself, it's yeah. why they have it during the summer months. That's an issue too. It's put it in the fall. I, I don't think that the girls want it in the summer either. I mean, I'm not sure. It Yeah, it does. It makes it, people are traveling. Mm-hmm. People aren't tuning in and following it as much. But yeah, I wish it was longer because I'm sad that now we have to wait a whole other year. Yeah, it's the the WNBA not the NBA not wanting WNBA to cross over into their their brand. Right. And what ends up happening is most of the girls are overseas after their season is over anyways. So, it's like they really disappear and off the radar because as soon as they come back and overseas is where a lot of them make a majority of their money. So when they come back, it's like they're jumping into it. They haven't been investing the same time as the men into like building their brands or mm-hmm. 
what they do off the court because they're working their butts off to make money. That's a really good point. It's something I didn't think about. It's they work during the summer, they get some recognition, and then instead of being able to continue that in the U.S., which is where the market generally is, obviously for us, mm-hmm. but then they go overseas and they just disappear. So it's and- it's not like the women's national soccer team who they get a little bit of help because they can play play in the U.S. Although they have to play in two leagues mm-hmm. to make enough money to survive for the year, right? Um, which is a whole other issue. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them. Um, do you see hope though in, in women's sports in the coverage of it and the television time? I do because I think people are starting to wake up. I mean, women have been facing this forever since we've been in the game and now women are starting to recognize their own power. And I think we're becoming more receptive of like, how can we help them? How can we branch out? And I mean, we just got to start putting money in their pockets so they don't have to disappear and go overseas so they can start investing and building their own brands and getting out there to get people excited to come to their games and just get more involved. So I think steps are going in the right direction, but it's going to take investment somewhere. And where it comes from, I'm not sure, but I, I see hope because it's something... I'm passionate about doing, so I'd like to see a change. Do you think there's a benefit to having all the women's sports sort of band together? You know, the WNBA, uh, professional soccer league, the professional hockey players or league for all of them. I know when the WNBA finals were going on and Connecticut Sun were playing, the um, Connecticut Will, the women's hockey league, the couple players were at the games and they sort of cross promoted themselves. It's that's really cool. I I love seeing that. I think the most amazing couple is Sue Bird and Megan Rapino. Yeah. You know, like a Sue will go to her games and Megan will come out to the WNBA games, and that's awesome to see. That's like real support of your partner. Mm-hmm. But I think you know any kind of women's support is awesome to see. I would love to see more men's support too, because men right now holds those viewership and the sponsors and they have right now the leverage to help women out i mean women should be booking deals in branding deals i mean i see what influencers are getting and i'm like women hello like not only do they have the platforms they're smart they're hard workers i mean we should be helping them and i would love to see that more just that investment made to really, you know, if you care about women's sports, like show up for them yeah. and help them. Yeah, because you have to get your butt in the seat. Because we've helped men since yeah. day one. <laughs> so, like, it's not, it's not one-sided yeah. either. What do you think, do you think you see yourself possibly in the future doing, and I know you have some stuff you can't really talk about, but mm-hmm. do you think you see yourself being in the media? Is that... I do. I'm not scared of it anymore. I used to be really afraid of, you know, just they filter so much stuff when you go through lawsuits. And now that's why I really love what I do because I have my own voice. No one can tell me like something's off the record. We can't talk about it. No, I think everything should be open for discussion and, you know, a topic because 
it's just there's so much power in sharing your experience and also I love to engage with other women and talk about their experiences because I notice a lot of women have so much strength and power and what they've gone through and the knowledge that they have just from everywhere they've been and these experiences and they know how to make it better but you know we just need more rallying together and you know lifting women up because I think that's how we're gonna make change is hear from the women that it's currently impacting and know exactly what we need to do to change it but we have to we have to help women feel safe enough to do that because that's not an easy thing to do i I just have a couple more questions and i I don't want to keep you all night but i can't imagine what you and liana do yeah okay what you guys do for young women who maybe they're playing a sport, maybe they're not, but um, with their sexuality. Have you had kids reach out to you? Yeah, I get I get a lot of messages, um, just people being inspired or people I hear coming out to their parents. I have a lot of funny stories. I mean, they're not funny, but it's just ironic how it all happened. Yeah. Like an article's left open on someone's computer and their kid reads it and then tells them some it's just really cool like the power of the story and just people feeling comfortable to be themselves because someone else has walked a similar path so it's nice to hear that um and it's nice to see change too i i know i talked in dan's podcast a little bit about the changes that happened at pepperdine since we left and just seeing that they have a club now and that they withdrew their... Oh, do they really? Yeah, so they finally allowed a club. I'm not sure if they have some questionable language of like what they can and can't talk about or behavior. But I mean, at least they have they have a club. Not saying it's ideal, but they also withdrew their exemption. We talked about that. And they put in a diversity board in their athletic department so at least athletes from the teams can have a chance to speak up and maybe feel like they have a safe space. I don't know. I haven't been to a meeting yet. Um, but I think they have made, you know, there's a lot of big changes that have happened in administration. So hopefully they are more aware. I know they have an entirely new Title IX team, like brand new. Oh, so that's good. that's good. I mean. You definitely made change. You guys definitely yeah. made change. Which is good. It makes, I'm sure, some of the the heartache and, and the stress and the bad times worth it, you know? Of course, yeah. It, it was worth it. Um, and actually, I have one more question. Uh, well, two more questions. But you were involved in the FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, right? Yes, I was. Do you look back on that time now as with regret? Or do you still think that you were able to get something out of it that helped you? I think... Hmm, what did I get out of FCA? I stopped going very early on, so I was terrified. I I don't remember exactly what was said. I know something to the extent that it made me feel that I could not go back there because it was just when I was somewhat starting this relationship with Liana and I just walked out of there with the knowing that I cannot come back. Mm. So... I think what it has helped me do is be more aware of how religion and our language can really impact someone who 
wants to be involved in a religious organization or have a community, like be it Christian, Catholic, it's some of these schools and just how powerful that is in either excluding them or making them feel safe. And I know there's a way to do both, just you have to be aware if you're going to be in that position. My final question is this, I ask all the guests, um, and honestly, you sort of touched on it already. If you can go back in time and tell your, you know, 12 year old, 13 year old self. I love these questions. And I know you weren't, you know, didn't have issues with sexuality then. Yes. But what is something that you could tell yourself or tell the kids that are reaching out to you? Uh, Just don't stress out so much. Like everything is going to be fine. Even you know, we can't control our circumstances. Sometimes things get out of control and we see that as a reflection of us and what we've created. But sometimes it's just about weathering the storm and like, don't be hard on yourself because I was so hard on myself. And I wish that, I don't wish to change anything. I wish I could have been more receptive to see the silver linings in the really dark times because there was so much beauty in it and i just wish i wouldn't have stressed out as much yeah but i think that that will help a lot of you know younger people because if you can just embrace your journey you know it's it's gonna help you get to where you're going faster and more smoothly I'm thankful for you and what you offer young kids in sports and out who have someone that they can hear their story and, and get something thank from you. it. Uh, so thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Haley, for coming on my podcast. I had a lot of fun. Thank you for coming down to my uh, rental in uh, West Hollywood in October when I was down there to come and talk to me. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I will be back next week. Dave Doyle, he is a MMA reporter, mixed martial arts reporter for MMA Junkie. He'll be my guest next week, and um, you get to hear how I do not know a lot about mixed martial arts next week. Anyways, have an awesome week. I will see you again soon.